Ladies and gentlemen, we are here. All of us are here. Parts of us are missing. John Browner, Jason Lawhead, the Mightier 1090, ESPN in your car. If you are driving, you have found yourself in the best place to be for the next hour. It is a happy Tuesday for one of us. For the other one, I think he's got a story to tell. If you're on YouTube, if you're not on YouTube, head over to check out the show under Kaplan and Crew. And if you're podcasting this, imagine if somebody put a small chef hat on your thumb. That's yeah. what Jason's <laughs> thumb looks like. That does. And that's the culprit, actually. The culprit is I was cooking last night. Um, and, man, I'll tell you what. I totally whacked the tip of my finger off. And we had just gotten our knives sharpened uh, two week, like last week. So um, – we, we take them down to the farmer's market once every so ever many months, once they start getting dull. And uh, there's a guy, a mobile guy there that, that, that sharpens them. And they are just, I mean, they are so sharp. They are OJ, uh, OJ Simpson sharp, man. These things. Yeah, OJ approved. OJ approved. Yeah, that's good. You know, and I, anyway, the worst part of it was, is, um, we, my wife and I weren't really in an argument as much as we were in a kind of a de- debate. debate or at least a, what was the topic of the debate? Uh, uh, some travel plans, some upcoming travel okay. plans. Okay. And, Ooh, and, and logistics of that disaster. and logistics of that. Right. And then, so she's reading an email in from the other room and I'm slicing mushrooms and I like pick my head up to respond as I'm slicing mustard. I'm like, yeah, well, they, they and I went, Wah! and I went, ah, you know, F word <laughs> as loud as I can. And then she was like, what, what? And I'm, I mean, I am, I took the tip of this thumb, not just, I mean, sliced it like off, like scalped, like, you know how the head, the top of your thumb is like a head almost, you know, and I just yeah. kind of scalped it. From where the nail was, I even just took my headphones off just now describing that. But I just scalped it from where the nail, like almost where the nail starts off to the other end. And it's just gushing blood. And so I'm yelling at her to go into the to, to the bathroom to get some stuff. Well, it co- turns out that we have like two Band-Aids left. Well, this is a gauze towel. This is a, you know, almost borderline emergency room situation. So now I've got to wrap my thumb up in a huge towel, like like hand towel type thing, you know, you know, not not a quite a bath towel, but but a hand towel. And I got that wrapped up. And now we got to go to CVS together. So we jump in the car, we drive down. I got I'm walking in with CVS. It looks like I got a gun underneath the towel. You know how like the the gangsters used to wear to yeah, have the gun underneath the towel. I'm walking and people are looking at me, and we're going back to the pharmacy area. And we buy all these supplies like, well, well, we need all these things anyway. All we had was like maybe like a half a shot of peroxide left and two Band-Aids. So we're in there stocking up. I'm like getting faint back there. I'm losing so much blood. I got my (laughs) hand above my head and shoulders because, you know, above your heart. So it it decreases the blood flow. We get back and uh, yeah, she's grossed out by the sight of anything. So she's really no help. Now we're now... The debate has turned into full-on escalated argument, which we <laughs> rarely ever do. So, you know, we went from having this enjoyable afternoon and we were going to cook some dinner. And then there was a few things 
picked up in our itinerary with an upcoming trip. And so we were in, you know, that was already aggravating both of us. And then by the time, so, you know, dinner never gets started. I got a, I got a cutting board with five mushrooms sliced with some blood on it and probably a piece of skin somewhere we can't find in the mix of it all. And, uh, oh, so it would just kind of ruin the whole night. We were going to have a nice night in and cook a nice dinner, watch some TV. And basically we just didn't even speak to each other the rest of the night. So I kind of Lorena bobbited myself and, uh, uh, brother, man. And now I've got this cartoon thumb because it needs so much gauze. The tip is off. So after this show here, I'm going to have to take this off, redress it, do all that terrible alcohol peroxide sting. Ah, it hurts so bad. And then just the soreness of it. Right. So just the soreness, like ad, there isn't enough Advil in the world. Once you lose that much blood in the limb. Yeah. It hurts. Oh, it's just so sore at the top. And it's just been, it's just, do you know any nurses? Do you know any nurses that can come look at that? No, I don't. I don't know any nurses. I, I, they, I know them. They're back in Lorain, Ohio, but uh, the way I knew them, my wife wouldn't let them come over and help me anyway. Yes, I knew them for like, you know, uh, you know mouth to other mouth, things. but I didn't need them for anything else other than, you know, <laughs> different a, type a of physical, resuscitation, a physical and yeah, and mouth to mouth resuscitation. That was the only thing I ever got out of those nurses. Dude, it, it's such a it's, it's such a weird thing when you cut yourself making dinner because it oh. absolutely just takes a, I'm talking about even the smallest cut. But if you get a severe cut, like what kind of knife? Was it like a cleaver where you like, big, do, 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 do. No, it was a, you know, a big prep knife, you know, the big kind of just, uh, and it, and it was, and I'm telling you, these things are sharper and I'm good. I'm good in the kitchen. I'm well-skilled. I mean, I have a background in the restaurant business. I've, I've always cooked and, you know, I'll get little nicks here and there, but I had, you know, I had the the method down. I had everything, you know, my knuckles pulled back. I had the blade going, you know, across the, the opposite part of the grain, slicing mushrooms, like, like you'd see on a cooking show. And like I said, when we were, yeah, I just like looked up to say something and then my thumb slipped out and this thing is so sharp, you know, two weeks ago, oh. these knives were so dull that it may have like bounced off of my thumb and maybe gave me a little nick or something. But this thing right. went through like hot butter. Like it just went. And I was like, ah! I mean, it, I mean, it, the pain right <laughs> off the top. And I knew I'm like, this isn't just a cut. Like I'm missing like a chunk of skin, dude. It, it was brutal. And it just so then it gives you like that, like headache because you get faint for a while. And then we didn't really eat. We had to go like pull out some leftovers just to get when we got back to the store, just to get some food in me, just to get some like you know, uh, just to get me off because I was losing so much blood, dude. I couldn't believe how much blood I was losing because it was just coming out like a sieve because I just whacked so much off. And, you know, <laughs> you've got all these veins and everything ending, nerve endings in your hands. And, uh, dude, it was a, it was a, dude, my bathroom, when I first went in there to start washing it off and then we were looking for stuff and I was looking for like a nice clean hand towel to, to put around. I mean, my bathroom looked like a crime scene. One little whack. I can only imagine what these crime scenes look like when somebody, like, hacks somebody to death, you know, stabs them, 
you know, multiple 25, 30 times because I just took a little bit of my Ooh. finger off and the blood around my my sink and like that dripped around near the floor and, and like led into the bathroom on the like it. I swear to God, dude, it, it looked like somebody was potentially murdered in Rob Zombie movie. By the time we came back to the from the, the, the store. Like, and, and, you know, we hadn't had a chance to, like, all that blood that had dripped from the kitchen to the bathroom and then looking for the towel that was already in there. You know, I can come back from the store. If you if you would have walked in my house, you would have been like, tape this scene off. Tape it off. We we, 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 we got to investigate what happened here. I mean, it looked bad, bro. But, dude, I, I'm, I'm living. I slept like crap because of it. It kept me up all night. You know, it was terrible. It's terrible. What's terrible for some can oftentimes turn out to be good for others. This this is just bad, period. It's bad all around. This is a lose-lose situation. On today's show, we talked about it yesterday. We led with it at the end of that show. We're going to talk about the AFC North on today's show. We're going to talk about Jimmy G being set free on today's show. I am going to talk about Jim Harbaugh, and I want to. I, I'm, I'm interested to hear Jason's uh, take on what Jim Harbaugh recently said. But first, I want to talk about Kyler Murray. Because sometimes, in an unintentional way, you could actually, you know, slice off a digit. <laughs> in this particular situation, what's happening in Arizona with Kyler Murray's contract, from the very beginning, seemed as if both parties were cutting off their nose despite their face. We knew Kyler Murray was going to play for the Arizona Cardinals. We all knew this. When he threatened to go play baseball, we knew that was never going to happen. When he removed all his pictures off of Instagram of the Cardinals or anything Cardinal affiliated, we knew that was just some silly ploy for him to get paid. So now the Cardinals have come to him and they said, well, we'll pay you $230 million. I think it's like 150 160 guaranteed. But we're going to put this little clause in the contract. You have to study of our determination of what studying is for four hours a week, or we can void the deal at any point in time. Which, again, from a both party standpoint, this is stupid. One, you're now saying to the public that your guy is not professional. Right. You're now saying to the public that we have to force him four hours a week to study for a multi million dollar job. Which, to that, I say, Tough pound sand. I almost said tough something else. Pound sand, dude. Why give the guy $230 million if you didn't think he could focus, I guess? It's okay for football players to have things outside of football that they like to do. Apparently, he likes to play video games. He's got his own video game team, whatever the case may be. He, it, it hasn't hurt him since he came into the NFL. Great rookie year one, rookie of the year. Led the team to the playoffs last year was in the MVP conversation until I think he sprained his ankle and then he kind of had like a little uh, 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 buyer's remorse after that because he's like, why am I playing so hard if I don't have a new contract? And then he apparently tanked a, a playoff game as well. So, yeah, he could be immature. But you knew that. And if you put this out hoping that it'll make him look bad, as an organization, you look bad because you were dumb enough to publicly let this leak out. Because they didn't, his side didn't, didn't leak this out. This makes him look childish. And so you leaked this out to what extent? To win what? 
the public opinion because you because he basically forced you to give him a new deal. I I just don't I don't understand some organizations and how they move. I've the Cardinals are one of those organizations. The Jets are another organization that moves in a weird way. The Chargers are another organization that moves in a weird way. This is Miami is another organization that moves in a weird way. I need answers from this, and I don't think I'm going to get them. Yeah, this is just another typical, as you said, you cited a few organizations, and this is just another typical, you know, one of those we're not used to being in this kind of territory, and we're showing it. We're showing it, you know, and when we get into this type of territory, we don't know really how to maneuver. We don't know how to show a poker face. We don't know how to do the things that really good functioning organizations do. And it does make the Cardinals look way worse than a Kyler Murray because it's it's telling the fan base, we're willing to squander it all at the cost of not knowing whether we even believe this guy is worth the the money because what we have to like, kind of hold his hand through um yeah and, and it just it, and you know it's almost as if hey look let murray let murray um you know box himself paint himself into that corner he, he you know you've already as, as the franchise you already have the i guess uh it looks good that you've already drafted this guy and and he was able to do what he did as as a rookie and get you into the playoffs as a second year so you you've you've shown due diligence in that respect now you have a quarterback that kind of you know uh, limped your team into the playoffs and then was really bad in a in a, in a playoff game so you right. know be more just continue that due diligence in the sense that hey look we're gonna let you paint yourself into the corner or we're gonna let you get play your way into 250 million guarantee we're gonna let you play yourself into the watson deal uh or or play yourself into a this is our final offer because 2022 was just another run back of 2021 or if 2022 is is better than 2021 and when we've grown and we've we looked great in an opening round playoff game or we win the division going away or, or something to that effect especially that division then hey look you know um these are the things we will offer and these are the things we will expect man to man but don't put these childish like you know, um, kind of extras into the, you know, and then, it, then once it, you're right, once it hits the press, once anybody wants to make their own story of it, it's it, 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 the facts right. are this, but then the media will run wild and social media right. sites will run wild with, you know, all the other avenues they can take this story and, and, and interviews that they can get from other people. And what do you think about it? I mean, can you believe this side or can you believe that side? And so then that just creates more, you know, little fires as, you know, as the season goes on and especially leading into training camp. So bad move, but, but as you cited, these are some of these, these franchises that it's like, it's like when certain people, win lotteries they don't know what to do with it right like you can hand you can, money, give, right. you can give somebody 30 million and they can make 
you know, a, a smart guy not saying a word can make 130 million out of it tomorrow. And then, then the other guy could be back in the trailer park in six months because he doesn't know what to do with it. And a lot of these franchises that work in that dysfunction, you know, especially when they finally do get some things, you know, relatively right and the ship starts going a certain way, they 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 just they just plow that thing into a into an iceberg because they they're just not used to it. I think we the problem with this is this isn't the first time somebody's put something weird in a contract. I can promise you that. I can promise you that. There have been guys like Antonio Brown, I guarantee you, who's had stuff in his deal. Right. Don't ride a motorcycle. Don't ride, don't play off season. This, you know, don't ski. Basketball. Yeah. Right. There's all types of stuff in these contracts. They don't get out. They don't get out. First class organizations don't let these type of things get out because they look bad. They right. look bad. You've got this kid in your building. You can't put the proper professionals around him to teach him proper professional structure. So you need to contractually obligate work into what is essentially the job. So like there, it literally says in there, you are not allowed to play video games while working on film study. Like, what are y'all doing? There are different ways. I, I'm a huge component of this. People learn in different ways. And how sure. you learn oftentimes dictates your experiences and what it is that you do. When I played basketball, learning plays wasn't my, wasn't my strong suit. Mm -hmm. But once we got into the game and we ran the play, I always knew what to do. But in practice, I guess it was concentration. I guess it was lack of in, 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 uh, 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 intensity that didn't allow me to reach the level of focus that it soaked in. But whenever that play got called in the game, I knew it. I knew the variations of it. Whenever we had film study, it, I didn't know the, the call of the play when I watched the other team. But when they got on the court, we were on defense. I knew what was coming. Because people learn different. People absorb information different. Lamar Jackson's way of winning is not Dan Marino's way of winning. Michael Vick's way of winning wasn't uh, Peyton Manning's way of winning. Tom Brady's way of winning isn't Russell Wilson's way of winning. However you get to the W is how you get to the W. And the way that they're making this kid look just completely like a child and unprofessional, it just literally doesn't sit right with me. And then to say that we're willing to give him all this money if he sits nicely with his hands folded and attends right. class every day is like, wait, what? Like, so if you think that he's that uh you know immature, immature how, how are you giving him the keys to the titanic i mean you know it's like saying hey we're we like you know the first mate now if the first mate just you know listens a little more we'll let him we'll let him drive the titanic or whatever you know and it's like well no you've got to you've got to sell us you've got to be confident in the first mate you've got to say that this guy has just got all the tools and you know he's going to he's going to take this ship and and sail it and, you know and we may hit some bumps along the road but we feel like he's going to get us to the port on time and uh you know that's not what they're doing and and it's just another example and in that division this is not the way to run the front office right now it never, no. but especially right now in this little window where Kyler Murray is in his career, 
where, where the Cardinals are with their roster and, and who they've got to be looking up to in their division right now with the with the Rams and the 49ers. And, you know, the Seahawks won't be dormant long. That's just a franchise that eventually will, you know, find something and you know, may, may not out. be this year or next year, but it, but it could certainly be in the years where Kyler Murray's, you know, in his expected prime. And once, you know, if you can get through some of this tumultuous, tumultuousness, you know, they could be waiting on the other side in better shape because, you know, they're not making these kind of, you know, bonehead types of uh, decisions or at least, you know, announcing them. And, you know, so they, they, you know, the Cardinals have to do, you know, everything they're not doing right now besides getting whatever they think they, they should do, the they should field. do the opposite. What's that? Whatever they think they should do, they should do the opposite. Yeah, of course. And a lot of these franchises that you cited that are in always in the same situation, you know, the Browns, the Chargers, you know, you, like you said, the Dolphins, the Jets. like Jets. Like the, these are always teams that have these types of picks that, that can build rosters. There's no excuses. It's not like they're, you know, being, you know, uh, unfairly treated by the league. <laughs> there's an, when we there come a, back, yeah, wow, that, when we come by. back, we're going to the north. How far north? We'll tell you when we get back. Brown and Lawhead, Meyer 1090 ESPN. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to Brown and Lawhead. Uh, Jason's painful finger did he playing hurt, but he did good. I didn't, I didn't notice. I didn't know he playing through the injury. Jason Lawhead, John Brown here on Brown and Lawhead. If you're in your car on the Mightier 1090, you are you have found your favorite new show. You can always find the shows that you have missed on iTunes at the iTunes Podcast Store. And you can also look us up on YouTube at Kaplan and Crew. So we talked about Kyler Murray's contract during the first half of the show. And the previous segment, we also spent talking about why you should always look down when you're cutting fruit or mushrooms <laughs> or, or vegetables or pay attention when you're slicing anything, good or bad knife. Ain't that right, Jason? Oh, gosh. And uh, yeah, you know, especially if you got sharpened knives, be very careful. Be very careful because those things will just still whack you off. Well, that didn't sound right. So speaking of getting whacked off, Jim Harbaugh, you know how much money Jim Harbaugh makes a year? Uh, I, you know, I know he had to readjust the contract a few years back, but I would say he makes at least $4 million. Try seven. Ain't that something? Jim Harbaugh makes $7 million. And so recently he was at a right to life uh, function, him and his wife. I'm sure they're lovely people. And Jim Harbaugh basically said, and I quote, said, let the unborn be born in an interview on ESPN. I don't get into other people's religious beliefs. I don't want them getting into mine. And if you're Jim Harbaugh and you're telling people that you won't take the baby if they can't afford to have it once it's born, I take my hat off to you, sir, because that is the attitude that I want people to have if you believe that abortion should be eradicated in this country. You make $7 million. Jason, take another stab at a number. What do you think the median income is for across America? The median this is income, as of 2022. The median income across America, I would say, is probably household median income, correct? 
not one not individual, indi- not one individual. person, one person. One I person. would say, I would say 38,000, 42,000. 51. Okay. 51. And now you got to keep in mind, most people basically live in California, Texas, Florida, New York, Illinois, and some places like Denver, Ohio, Arizona. Florida, yeah. Okay. Right. The population is growing in, in places like that. Arizona, so, right. Georgia. This is a very concentrated amount of money for people. I will tell you right now, a person who has a child or is un- unplanned pregnancy making $51,000 a year isn't the place that if they don't want to, adding another mouth into the economy, adding another mouth into the home. 51000 with no health care, no child tax credit, none of these things that these No services, savings. I mean, so they like let the born, let the unborn be born. Well, that's into sure. What? I, mean, that's, I, I, I get the sentiment. I appreciate. I don't think people that are pro-choice are pro-abortion. Just like I don't right. think people that are are anti-abortion are necessarily pro-life. So these people that call themselves pro-life, I like to call them anti-abortion is really what they are. Because at the end of the day, as you've touched on, um, you know, $51,000 in a, you know, price gouging type of capitalistic carnage economy when you don't have the types of services that can be rendered to your children. You know, the kid can't even get a free hot lunch at school. (laughs) So... I, I again, I, I applaud Jim Harbaugh's stance on saying that he will take the kid, but he put a caveat on that saying that that had happened to his daughter or his son or one of his players. That's about what 75 players. That's about you, he's got kids, so seven, that's about 79 people a year. You would take an unwanted child from there are more than 79 unwanted children born a day around this country, yeah. dude. So I get that people want to take public stances on this. I get that Jim Harbaugh wants people to know where he stands. And I respect that 100%. I respect that a person will come out and say what they mean and mean what they say. But again, we're getting to a point where it's not your decision what someone else should do. It's their decision. And I don't like to tell people shut up and dribble or shut up and whistle if you're a coach. But in this particular situation, there are people at the University of Michigan that disagree with you. And by saying this, you are also representing them. No, uh, kudos to the people from ESPN for asking the question because you, you, you're trying to get clicks and it's definitely got the clicks going. Yeah. I mean, I just think like, you know, like you said, he's got his right to say whatever he wants. I, I may not right. agree, you know, agree with it. I mean, I would applaud if that actually happened, if the scenario actually was, you know, set in front of him. Right. You know, is he going to take is he going to take a walk ons kid? If what if a walk on walked up to him and was like, coach? And he's like, who are you? He's like, I, I'm right. number ninety nine and a half on your football team. Um, and I got my girlfriend pregnant and he's going to be like, well, I mean. You really think that Son. he's just going to be like, yeah, hand him over. I'll put him in a little Son, pair of baby orphans. dockers and I'll put a whistle around his neck. I mean, you really think, you know, uh, there's going to be these little adoptive Harbaugh's running around. So, I mean, it's one thing to, you know, say your stance. And then there's another thing to get like kind of over the top with it. And you kind of start going, okay, that's where you lost me. Thanks coach. Right. But that's, that's, that's as silly as a comment as I've ever heard. So now that that's out of the way, the AFC North has a very interesting mix to it. 
Apparently, Joe Burrow's appendix burst, hmm. and there's got to be some emergency surgery. So this, my idea of what the division would look like, maybe a little uh, up in the air now. So we we're gonna talk because yesterday we talked, spent a lot of time basically updating you guys on what had happened over the summer in the, the AFC West because that's really our home division here on the West Coast. And now this week, today, we're going to roll over to the AFC North, and then tomorrow we'll do the AFC East because we'll just save the next three for the NFC. So we're going to cover Bengals, Browns, Ravens, Steelers, because they make up the division. Obviously, Jason's a big-time Browns fan, so we'll start with the Browns, Jason, because they've got a lot of news. It's a lot of weird pointing. Uh, I was trying to show you Cleveland Stadium over my head. Stage right. Uh, yeah, I mean, the Browns, you know, uh, obviously they've, this is probably the Watson situation. Yeah. They've made a lot of headlines in the last, we'll say three to four years since drafting Baker. Number one, he was coming out as the Heisman trophy winner. Um, obviously there was a bunch of coaching dysfunctions at the beginning of that. Um, they made headlines with obviously getting stiff. Fansky and, and him kind of settling and riding the ship. And all of a sudden mm-hmm. you had a team with uh, a, 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 a coach that people really thought was the answer and a quarterback that people thought were the answer and roster spots around them. And it's a win now type of scenario in Cleveland, which that, that hasn't, you know, shown its face in 30 plus years. So <laughs> um, yeah, they're, 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 you know, they, so they, the Browns have, been in the headlines for for a few years now but never more than they've been since the quarterback that they thought was the answer didn't work out and then the quarterback that a lot of people think you know with an opinion of that shouldn't even be in the league for whatever accusations he's had against him is now inserted into this and created bigger headlines because now there's a bunch of not just what ifs what if is or or might be he's now it's uh you know what if it is in his future when it even just comes to playing games um and that's going to be looks like they say the suspension is going to be around six to eight and that's what i i you know we've talked we talked when they first signed him with all this stuff and i just thought like look you know there's a i still think without a lot of concrete evidence this opens a lot of can of worms of how many accusations is enough accusations to just use jurisdiction to start suspending guys for as many games as you want them i mean is 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 only eight women the next time is that just two two games i mean how, how do you measure the amount of accusations and the amount of settlements and the ones that are thought to? so that's going to be interesting when that comes down but obviously the Browns are uh, one of those teams we were just talking about earlier, like the Cardinals. They are one of these teams that have gotten in their own way many, many times. And um, it wouldn't surprise me if that's what's the thing that holds them back. Uh, essentially, I kind of just reserved myself through this whole Baker Mayfield era and, and, the, and the great feeling we had when we beat Pittsburgh in that playoff game. And then the terrible feeling we had coming around the next season and being such a disappointment and watching the Bengals just go on to the Super Bowl with the with the type of team that they had. And so I know I'm just reserved to just saying, hey, you know, nothing surprises me. If we go out there and we're good, I'm going to enjoy it. If we go out there and we're bad with this team, it isn't going to surprise me. And I'll just shift my focus 
to the rest of the league and enjoy the rest of football because I still do. I've been doing that for 30 years as a Browns fan. I've eventually just said, well, they're finished. Let's go watch the rest of the league and pay attention to what I enjoy. And that's, you know, the, the, the NFL as a whole will always entertain me throughout the season, no matter how good or bad the Browns are. But I like this team, you know, even if Dev Shashan sits out six or eight games, I think roster wise that I think, you know, when you talk about both sides of the ball, depth and personnel, um, all things considered, I, I think that they're as good, if not probably the best team on paper in the AFC North. Um, but, you know, uh, this is going to be a big year for Stefanski, a growth year to adjust to a backup quarterback starting the season and then handing it off to Deshaun Watson and, and all the distractions that will come with that and, and all the expectations of that defense has to even become better and, and, and that offense has to become better. And there's holes in that special teams last year that, that, that has to drastically improve from the punt coverage to the kicking game. And so there's a lot of those little intangibles that we'll see. Are they the Steelers when it comes to that? Are they the Ravens when it comes to that? Because, you know, uh, Pittsburgh still has Mike Tomlin. The Ravens still have uh, John Harbaugh and uh, the, the, the Bengals are the returning uh, champs uh, of the AFC. So uh, in that respect, I like, you know, where the Browns are, but I also respect the other three teams. And to me, Pittsburgh is is kind of scary in the sense that. Really? Well, here's why. I Please explain that. Well, I here's why. I Here's why. Because I, Mike Tomlin's a great coach. I think that they yes. always come out of training camp, you know, ready. Ready. Ready with, a, with an identity. Even if they start slow, a lot of times it's because, you know, Ben started badly or, you know, they had a few guys hurt. But they always seem to have an identity and a focus and they either write the ship. And here's what I like. They, I like the fact that Ben is leaving and it's almost like a relief. It's like, finally, he's out of here. It's not like Ben Roethlisberger rode off to the sunset leading this team to some great seasons the last few years. And right. how do you replace the guy? It's not like if Tom Brady left last year or, or if he would have stayed left or if he leaves at the end of this year. It's not like when, you know, kind of, uh, you know, other quarterbacks that, you know, go out on top or at least semi on top. And they're like, oh, man, can he play one more year? Oh, I'd love to see him play wow. one or two more years with this team. No, they were happy to get rid of him. So with all the attention on Cincinnati, with all the attention on Cleveland, with, with, with you know, the, 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 the same kind of level that Baltimore's always at and, and a contract dispute with, with Lamar Jackson. I think that the Pittsburgh Steelers are scarier than the fact that they're welcoming Trubisky. Um, they're welcoming the new way to go do things without the, 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 the harangue of what, what's up for Ben next hanging over their head. Uh, they've got a stalwart defense, TJ Watt, one of the best players in the league. And um, they could be sneaky because they're always there and they're one of those franchises, which is the opposite of what we were talking about earlier when it came to the, yes. the check. So I would say that I would say in this division, there's going to be one team that I think will do what they did last year and pull ahead of people. And if healthy, will finish the job this time around. And that's the Baltimore Ravens. I, I like the Baltimore Ravens. They're bringing more back in continuity than almost anybody other than the Bengals who, who signed a, a bunch of guys, which, 
again, they, I think this was a flash in the pan, but when you bring this many guys back, they must have a good feeling about the organ, uh, the team as built. I just think the Ravens had so many injuries to start the year last year. And they still had a good first eight weeks to the season until Lamar Jackson got this high ankle sprain and they pretty much, you know, kind of fell off after that because he is their offense. So I I like the Ravens more than I like anybody in that division until around, I don't know, week 10, and then it'll become the Browns. Because I think Deshaun Watson is the best quarterback in that division, and I know what Joe Burrow did last year. I'm 100% aware of that. I think that Deshaun Watson is better than Joe Burrow. And I don't – for me, I, I, I would love to get a chance to see them against each other, and I'm going to. But I think the Browns have put themselves in a very good position to sustain with their running game and their offensive line kind of to hold water until Deshaun Watson actually can show up in a in – a, in a, I don't know if it's a legal sense, but can get back on the field ready to play. I don't, I, I don't know if the Bengals can do what they did last year again. I necessarily don't like the Steelers. I like I love Mike Tomlin. I think they've always had a solid defense. But between Mitch Trubisky and the kid out of Pitt, Kenny Pickett, I okay. Yeah. Okay. I mean, Pickett won't start unless Trubisky is an absolute train wreck at some point. And I don't I, think he is. I think Mitch, I think Mitch, I think Mitch Trubisky's a, fine for what ball, you yeah. Know, for what Pittsburgh he got a bad rap in Chicago. Well, yeah, and for what Pittsburgh does, you know, uh, how, how they conduct business. I think Trubisky's just kind of a fine fit. And yes, we're going to yeah. see if Deshaun Watson man on man, I agree with you. I think Deshaun Watson athletically and skilled wise is the best quarterback with intangibles in that division, but we're going to have to see is he the fit? Is he focused enough when he gets back and is he fit you know, is he a fit for all of this stuff that's going to be under the microscope? Because we know Joe Burrow is a fit already. That's the nice, that's the luxury the Bengals have is right. that, yeah, he, you know, he might not be the most mobile guy in the world. And, and there might be times where he holds on to it a bit too long. But for them in what they're doing under their, you know, uh, program and, and with the skill position players he has at tight end and wide receiver. He is a fit. They already know. So they can build off of that. That's that's going to be the luxury for the Bengals. We know Lamar Jackson is a fit. You're right. If they're healthy when they come out of the gate and they stay healthy and Lamar can stay healthy with that with the, on his legs throughout all 17 weeks, you know, all things being equal, I'd have to agree with you. If I had to put money down, gun to my head, knowing that, hey, look, Deshaun, even if he gets six games or four games and everything else is is equal, my money would be on, you know, the Ravens to win the division because they just go out there with that, you know, lunch pail attitude all the time. Right. And, and if they stay healthy, then great. But, um, you know, as a Browns fan, I'm, I, yeah, I still, uh, the Bengals are, are, are a problem. Pittsburgh worries me because they're always just so functionable. And uh, and the Browns worry me because they're so dysfunctional. I mean, you could give us Luke, you could give us Aaron Donald tomorrow, and uh, you know uh, something will happen. Devonte Adams tomorrow, and I would still be like, God, we're just so dysfunctional. I don't know if we can win this division. I think of the team. I think of the teams in that division. I don't think one team is terrible, and I think that's got to be a relief to all the teams. Or if you're a fan of that division, or you're a fan of any of those teams. I don't think any of those teams are terrible. I don't think we're looking at uh, a four-win team 
at any point of any of those teams. No. And I think that that's going to be an extremely competitive division. Not as competitive as the AFC West, but I think they're going to be a close second in teams. But I think this is like this is like what they call like a, the black and blue division. Right. Like you're going to get hurt in this yes. division. Yes. Like there's some tackling in this division. This oh, ain't yeah. this ain't all lights and cameras. This ain't pretty. This is this is back alley. This is dark. This is knuckles and knuckles and noses. Like this oh, is yeah. this is going to be a hard fall. Yeah, there's these quarterbacks are going to take hits. They're going to take sacks, and you know, yeah. even even in great football games, and they're going to put up great numbers when the season ends out and washes out. But yeah, these teams are going to feel each other by the end of the season. And like we said yeah. yesterday, I said yesterday, it's everybody in the AFC West, in my opinion, and it's anybody's in the AFC North. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, in that respect, those I two divisions. I definitely think an injury, an injury will turn this division. Yeah, a, a major injury could definitely be the reason this division. You know, I mean, if a, if a Jamar Chase goes down, if a Miles Garrett goes down, if there's a certain piece on any of these teams that go mm-hmm. down, it could be a big torpedo, like you say, Lamar Jackson. You know, uh, somebody, uh, you know, on on any of these teams that that could really change how they do things just from one man standpoint could be the difference. Mm-hmm for where this a team ends up yeah. in this division. I agree 100%. So it's going to be, you know, I always I always look at these kind of outlooks of the division before they start really rolling into camp to all the veterans have to report as to what's the quarterback situation, is the coach on the hot seat, and what player that they bring in to help boost through the roster. Those are the main three things that I look at when we're going into the in, into these camp reports. And, and that's another great oh, thing the North has is great coaches. I mean, at least two yes. really, two really yes. proven great coaches with Super Bowl rings, and then two yes. young coaches that flipped just absolute graveyard uh, franchises, yes. flipped them around and got them to be believing winners and got the fan bases rejuvenated again, kind of overnight. And so uh, that has that has a lot of intrigue in that division as well, you know, because I think coaching will have a lot to do with. You know, it, like what happened to Staley last year? The reason why, you know, the the Chargers were outside looking in is because that young guy had to learn a lesson. Yes, yes. The question is, did he learn it? Well, right. We'll we're tell you because th- there's so much more on the show tomorrow, and because it's our Friday, we'll have some else fun for you. Brown and Lawhead, Mightier 1090. See y'all tomorrow. Peace.